2: He matched with women online, flaunting his high-roller lifestyle, telling tales of family riches, and sharing fears about dangerous enemies. Soon, the enemies would supposedly come calling, and this Prince Charming would ask women to cover his exorbitant bills. Estimates are that he took victims for over $10 million, yet today he walks as a free man in Gucci shoes. What happened and why has he, so far, evaded major consequences? This week's episode is The Tinder Swindler.
3: This motherfucker. <laughs> Tommy and I watched this documentary together. He was shook.
2: Yeah. This guy's up there with a uh, Bentino Masaro, like Yeah. I think worse. I think oh, worse. Yeah smarmy, boring. Ugh. Yeah, at least Patino is like, you are joining a cult. This guy is, I love you. Oh, I have my enemies. Please help and give me $1 million. The enemies, the, uh, the
3: enemies were sending me. Tommy and I by the end were just dying laughing at his enemies. <laughs> we're like, who the fuck are your enemies? And then Tommy was like, his enemies are the women that have found out before him. That's, That's true. T- was. <laughs> his enemies are freezing your accounts. <laughs>
2: Right, Technically, that's true. There I wasn't know. really arms dealers or diamond merchants, no. it was pissed off women who had been scammed before him. Wow, I don't understand
3: how people are capable of things like this. I don't, I don't understand watching it and knowing what he's doing. I'm just looking at him going, Are you able to enjoy any of what you're actually doing? Because it has to be exhausting keeping up with the lies and. And haven't well, I got to – it's 2 o'clock. I got to send Cecily my, uh, my video. Now I got to send Eileen something. I don't – because I have a conscience, to me, I wouldn't be able to enjoy all the yachts and dinners and parties because I knew – I would know what I was doing. But looking at him, it doesn't seem like he's bothered.
2: No, and I also in some ways because of how – unapologetic he was throughout and continues to be I wonder if there's some part of him that likes it that mm-hmm. is almost likes it more and enjoys it more and has that feel of oh this private jet's even sweeter because huh, some dummies pay for right. it and not me when in reality he's a really good snake and that's what I used to tell all my fraud victims when I was at legal aid was you're not an idiot that this happened to you. It's just as much as you're not an idiot for walking, going on a hike and a snake jumps out and bites you. Mm-hmm. You didn't stick your hand in a snake's nest. Like you were just living your life and a snake happened to get you and nobody's going to think, oh, you're, you know, if, if you're, you said, well, I went and jumped in a snake pit and did, you know, in this case, these women were just doing what I did, which is swipe on a guy and meet a guy who seems like a Prince Charming. Let's TBD. We don't, we're not sure if <laughs> Paris is a swindler yet, a bumble swindler. But so far, it's going pretty well. Uh, But you know, you're just. If if he is, he's not doing a good job at it. (laughs) No. (laughs)
3: He's just about to lock it down in a few days. And uh, with working from
2: home, I don't know where his other women would be. Nowhere. He would have to tell them that he was just permanently on a trip somewhere (laughs) because he's just with me. He's been on a two year trip. But you know, that's how, you know, in the new new millennium, Mm -hmm. what a. What a dorky thing to call it. but that's how you know you meet people and you mm-hmm. match with people. so for sure, I hope this is a one egregious Man. example and not what repeatedly happens. Most time we just get screenshots from our single friends who show us some of the medieval times and police. I look on. forward to it every day. I it's look fantastic. forward to those messages
3: every day. Yeah, I think you're on to something though that part of why he does it is that he gets off on making these women think that he's fallen in love with them and also having these women, some of them, legitimately fall in love with him. Yes. And you're not just playing with people's money. You're
2: playing with their emotions, which is way worse. Mm Mm-hmm. And scars them. And they've all said it's had long impacts. And we'll, the show, the Tinder Swindler documentary, if you've seen it, it primarily focuses on three victims from 2018 to 2019. We're going to kind of give you the whole rundown of his life and you can see... It all started pretty early. Yeah, so. yeah.
3: And if you haven't seen the documentary, what a ride. Go check mm-hmm. it out. It's, I mean, there's so much to it that this is going to be a long episode, and there's still a lot that we, we don't to touch out. on. But yeah, so um, Felicity Morris did a great job. So go, go check that out. Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. Shimon Hayut was born September 27, 1990, in Israel. As a child, Shimon studied in a Talmud Torah elementary school, a school where students are provided an elementary education in Hebrew, the scriptures, and the Talmud. Felicity Morris,
2: producer of the Tender Swindler documentary, told Vanity Fair, He actually grew up in a very conservative neighborhood in Tel Aviv. His father was a rabbi. I think there was always something in him that wanted to rise up into a luxury world. His father, Yohanan Hayut
3: also served as the chief rabbi of el al airlines well you wouldn't know that if you knew him now
2: yeah the way he presents is not from the neighborhood it's, it you know looks like a working class neighborhood mm-hmm. it's nothing you know it's not super uh it looks not, it's not like high rises like luxury high, rise, high rises but it looks reasonably nice like mm-hmm. you know not a bad place to grow up but it's definitely a far cry from a private jet yeah for sure
3: When he turned 15, Shimon moved to New York with some family friends. The family allowed him to live with them, but soon came to regret their decision after he misused the family's credit card. According to Felicity Morris, this became a common occurrence. As she told Vanity Fair, Shimon spent his youth committing minor cons like check fraud since he was a teenager. In his early 20s, Shimon escalated and began stealing family's checkbooks when working for them. First, it was a family he babysat for then a family for whom he worked as a handyman. He was charged with theft, forgery, and fraud in 2011 for cashing stolen checks, according to the Times of Israel. The Israeli authorities charged Shimon for the crimes in 2012. But before he could be arrested, he fled the country under an assumed name. Instead of jail, he began
2: what would be his most lucrative con yet. If you have no ties to people or you don't care if you see your family or you don't care about setting down roots and having friends... It's real easy to just pick up and go, and that's what he does in time after time after time. It also says a lot about you. If those nope. things
3: are, don't matter to you at all, mm-hmm. if you, if everyone is disposable and um, your own family, you'll just turn on, on the dime. Who, uh, from what we could tell, they didn't do anything to him that would
2: warrant like him wanting to have nothing to do with them. No, it seems like uh, there's... Some question about what, how much his dad knew and whether he knew. His dad's totally, of course, denied everything, but certain folks that have, you know, had run-ins with him were like, well, it's, you know, he, he introduced me to him and tra- told me to do business dealings with him. But if it's your kid, you know, that's not unheard of. Your kid has yeah. a painting business. You refer him to that, you know, financial planner and say, please use my son. But uh, it doesn't see, you know, like I said, his father is completely denied everything. But like you said, if you're just like, bye, I don't need y'all. Mm-hmm. Just bounce. As soon as the cops are on your tail, just run. In 2012, Shimon met Rabbi Raymond Badouche, who was in charge
3: of the congregation Ahavat Shalom, a large charity in New York, according to Netflix. The rabbi was unaware of Shimon's recent swindling. Rather, he thought highly of Shimon because of his family and their connections. When he began hitting up Rabbi Badouche for money, the clergyman obliged, offering funds to help Shimon care for his mother who was ill or his brother's family's obligations. In return, Shimon offered Badush
2: what the rabbi called VIP treatment anytime they were in Israel. And it's, you know, it's a big charity, a couple million dollars, and you see that you got a kind heart and somebody that you put your hand out. I mean,
3: it's not unheard of for Mm -hmm. uh, churches and whatnot to...
2: To get scammed.
3: Yeah, yeah. And to also, I don't know what the VIP treatment was, but you... Maybe don't ask questions because you're like, well, our charity's getting a lot of money and that's a good thing for our charity. Mm-hmm. So uh and his his dad was a rabbi. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're like, well, he, and whether or not his mom was actually ill or mm-hmm. the brother really had family obligations, he was trusting and wanted to help them out. In early 2015, Shimon began meeting women on the dating app Tinder. One woman who was called Sari by a Finnish newspaper, met Shimon in Asia while on holiday in February of 2015. He gave her a fake backstory. No longer was he a rabbi's son from a conservative neighborhood in Israel. Instead, he told her that he was a rich businessman and arms dealer. Sari was immediately taken with him, completely unaware that she had just become Shimon's first tender victim.
2: And this is the first one that's kind of reported about in the Finnish newspaper and covered by the Finnish media. They're now saying after the release of the documentary, Mm -hmm. the Netflix and the documentary makers have said they've had dozens and dozens and dozens that date from all over. Oh,
3: yeah. I, I mean, if he started doing check fraud when he was 15, I mean, you might start dating a couple years after that. Yeah. Getting on, I mean, I don't know. I hope 15 year olds aren't on Tinder. I'm assuming 18 year olds are on Tinder. I don't know. I don't think you can be 15 on Tinder. But yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if there were women long before her. When Shimon arrived in Finland, the visit was sorry. He was suspiciously using another woman's credit card. He easily explained this away, telling his new love interest that his high risk business dealings had frozen his accounts forcing him to use the other woman's card. Suddenly, however, that card was out of commission. With that card no longer working, Shimon conveniently asked Sari to lend him her credit card to cover his expenses. He was wealthy, after all, and promised to pay her back. To sell the con, Shimon even called his bank in front of Sari, asking the banker to transfer 15,000 euros to her account. However, according to Finnish newspapers, when the transaction cleared, the amount was just 15 euros, a fraction of what he promised. Shimon explained this was a mistake by the bank, but still continued using Sari's card. By now, he was flying to different countries and paying for trips for other women whom he had also met on Tinder. Unbeknownst to Sari, she was footing the bill for his extravagant lifestyle. Shimon continued to rack up more debt, eventually convincing Sari to take out a consumer loan to cover the charges. In total, Shimon convinced Sari to give him over thirty-eight thousand euros, roughly forty-two thousand U.S. dollars.
2: It's a lot of uh, flights, a lot yeah. of caviar, a lot of Gucci shoes. The one of the most shocking things to me about this is
3: how fast he would spend their money. Like mm-hmm. how how fast twenty grand went for him. I mean, in no. in two days, he's blown through twenty grand mm-hmm. on. I mean, it would. I would have to like set out on a mission to spend twenty thousand dollars and I wouldn't even know how to go about doing
2: that. No. But he's like expensive hotel, but yeah, that's probably like a maybe two or three thousand dollars a night. I guess if you stay there a week, maybe I don't know. I don't know.
3: And private jets and just dinners and stuff I mean, it it's an
2: effort to spend that type of money so quickly like that. He got good at it and good at the insidious of, oh, but I'll pay you back. Like you said, I'll call the bank right now. Mm -hmm. And if he's speaking in a different language or saying, I just need a little privacy while I talk to the bank, you don't hear him just say 15 euros. right? Oh, but it was a mistake. He blamed the banks a lot for this. And honestly, I do too. But because he was on fraud list and they still transferred money in some cases. But there's a lot of... Oh well, let me just—I just, I'll, I just uh, give me a few more days. There's a bank error. There's a bank. Sometimes there are bank errors. Like when I went to the bank today, and there's no fucking money in it. That was crazy. <laughs> I Had to go to a different bank. But so maybe he's right. Your maybe one job is to have money. What are you doing? To, bank. I went to the ATM and they were like, "This ATM has no money." So I was like, "I'll go inside the actual bank." And they're like, "We don't have any money in this no, bank. And if we like, did, we'd have put it in the God.
3: ATM." I, like, my my I told God. you the other day, last week, Tommy had to go to seven different ATMs to find cash. What is? It, it was. I was like. The worst It's happening.
2: It's the apocalypse. I just want to tip my DJ at the (laughs) wedding.
3: Shimon met another woman on Tinder who was using the name Kiersey. He told her he was a former Israeli Army fighter pilot. He flashed expensive clothes and showed her photos of himself staying in fabulous hotels in other cities. Like others, Kiersey was wooed by his good looks, wealth, and charm. When Shimon suggested she rent an apartment for the two of them, Kiersey obliged. Handing over her credit card information to pay for the place. Instead of finding a place for the two of them to settle down, Shimon used the card to charge flights and hotels, including private jets,
2: that totaled over 73,000 euros. Yeah, and it's this is a gonna, we're gonna see it's a common thing to say, I love you so much, we should move in together. But also, he he traps them. And And what? I said, also, I need your bank info. Right,
3: yeah, and he traps them, and it's, A lot of people have come out, especially after the documentary, and the women in the documentary say how much internet hate they got for everyone saying, oh, you're just a bunch of stupid gold diggers. Anyone should have seen this coming. You deserve it. You were the ones taking advantage of him. And when you watch this documentary and you see the legitimate pain that these women have gone through, not just financially, because their fucking credit has been destroyed and it takes years and years to come back from something like that decades even but also their hearts like Mm -hmm. two of them thought they were in like a monogamous relationship with him and were planning on having a family with them one of them it was like her best friend so it's not he and like they say he finds people that are empathetic and are Mm -hmm. very you know emotionally charged that are looking for love and looking for friendship. And that's what he preys on because those are the people that are going to do what he wants them to do. But it's also super sad because those are the people that, like, want love so bad that they'll mm. almost do anything for it. And they're kind of blind to what might be happening.
2: And also he, you're completely right, he also, play, like, tugs at the heartstrings and plays them like a fiddle because he'll, he will keep the love bombing going. Yes. like. She so said oh he texted me every mm-hmm. single morning every single morning how are you doing she said we spoke every single day and mm-hmm. i'm like when we first when i first started dating paris we spoke eh, maybe once every 48 hours once every you know 3 or 4 days just you know check in i will see you again but it was not like an intense we met the first moment we matched and we but it can be intoxicating when someone mm-hmm. you meet a handsome guy and charming they all said he had a great personality and is like i've never felt this way about someone before i mean you get excited and for sure Unless you see his face in a magazine that he's a swindler, you would not immediately go. Maybe this guy's like like scamming.
3: Especially if that's what you're wanting. You're wanting mm-hmm. this fairy tale romance. Which, um some people call her Cecile, some call her Cécile because she's, I believe, also Finnish. She wants that, and she talks about in the documentary that I grew up watching. You know, American love. Romance movies, and that's what i mm-hmm. what I always wanted. So if that's what you're wanting, you get it's easy for you to get swept up in this just like whirlwind romance,
2: yeah. and he was all I mean, he met she's from Norway and she Norway that's, that's it, yeah. but. Ma- meets her in England and then they're, you know, and we're getting ahead of ourselves. But, you know, you're meeting these women in Finland and you're from another country and you travel for work and you're jet setting and, and it is so romantic. It's like mm-hmm. a Hallmark movie. It's yeah. like he watched a Hallmark movie and was like, okay, I'm going to tell him I'm a handsome arms dealer. No, I think it's very intentional that he comes on strong
3: out the gate and mm-hmm. accelerates the relationship because... To him, he's like, I don't have time to fuck around. I'm trying to get a credit card. If I could do it day one, I would. But he's got to groom them and woo them a little bit. But it just he goes so hard so fast so he can accelerate all of that. Absolutely. In addition to his charming nature, Shimon could also be intimidating. Kiersey said in interviews he talked about his connection to the underworld and his negotiations with the Finnish army on arms deals. She admitted she felt addicted to the man. And even travelled to Rio de Janeiro in an attempt to open an account to receive funds from him. Instead, she ended up covering the bill for the trip herself. In the end, she was taken for over ninety six thousand euros, while her parents lost an additional thirteen thousand euros.
2: Yeah, and it was – that's another weird, convoluted explanation he gave her was like, well, because of the way that the funds are and I have to protect myself and you have to go to Rio and you have to open the bank account. And then, of course, ghosted her and she's in Rio trying to open a bank to receive money. Having and of course, spent then, all this money to get there. Thousands more. Yeah. yeah.
3: And you know what? I'll be real pissed if you steal money from me, but I will – ruin your life if you steal money from my parents oh honestly like, do not come after my parents don't it, it like I would feel so hurt and ashamed that I brought them into something and they lost money because of me like that, that's something that would be so much harder for me to heal from than just like my own broken heart or financial loss
2: absolutely it's like don't don't it's don't fuck with cats don't fuck with mom and dad <laughs> exactly After taking a third woman for over 64,000 euros,
3: Shimon was reported to the authorities and charged with fraud. According to Finnish newspapers, at the time of his arrest in 2016, Shimon was flushed with fraudulent documents, including five forged Israeli identification documents, two forged Israeli flight permits, and five forged Amex cards. Facing jail time, Shimon was insistent that he didn't defraud anyone, Instead, he told the court he was in constant danger of death due to his relationship with the arms industry. He claimed he would have gladly paid the women back, but his business assets were frozen. The court didn't buy the story and sentenced him to three years in prison for gross
2: fraud. I really hope that just because you have an Israeli flight permit, you're not trying to jump behind the yoke of a plane. (laughs) Right? uh, (laughs) Good on the court for being like,
3: nah, you idiot. What are you talking about? I mean... The hubris to think, you think the court can't verify this information, you dummy? Or figure
2: out, like, the ID or the passport you have that has a different name in your face is mm-hmm. fake? This is...
3: The absolute right term for this is gross fraud, because mm-hmm. all this is gross as fuck. hmm In 2017, Shimon was released from prison and extradited to Israel to be charged for his previous crimes. Instead... He legally changed his name to Simon Laviv, fled the country, and began his grift all over again. There you go. Fly I hate away. That his name
2: is Simon, but I know. Here we are. <laughs> no, typing it over and over. I was like, I Simon, know. Simon. I was like, not this Simon. Your My Simon's Simon gonna is bring glory Simon. to the name. What's that? I said your Simon will bring glory to the name. He has already, yes. He has already.
3: After his release from jail, Shimon began calling himself Simon Laviv telling people he was part of the billionaire Lviv family of diamond merchants. He reconnected with Rabbi Badouche and, according to the rabbi, attempted to scam the charity out of millions. Badouche discovered the scheme and shut down the associated bank accounts before the charity could be harmed. The rabbi told Netflix of the attempted scam. Betrayal, betrayal. That's the word I would use. Defiled, used. Though Rabbi
2: Badouche was able to protect his charity, Simon's new victims wouldn't be so lucky. And this is another, like we said, this is already a long episode. We could probably do a whole episode just on the scam he ran on the charity. The very short version is it was a check floating scam that he would say it was a check from a wealthy family to the charity. But in fact, it wasn't. And then he would ask for money from the charity. Then basically the charity would be left holding the bag. But... Luckily, the rabbi did some due diligence and would talk to the bank in advance and was able to go, I deposited this check. Okay, cancel the one I wrote to him, shut it all down, save the charity money. But So he would say to the charity, I have a check for a million dollars from this family. And then how would he get the money from the charity? He would ask them to then give him a portion of it. So he would say, like say, I'll cash I'll give you a check for a hundred thousand dollars. You just need to give me twenty thousand and then they'll keep a hundred thousand and they need help with making up excuses, whatever you know, mm-hmm. he would just make up an excuse for it. So it was a check floating scam, which I think I'm not remembering, I think I'm remembering correctly, that's what the guy, part of what the guy did in Catch Me If You Can, was like, you write checks to one person, and it's kind of like what you see on online scams, where they say, or like we learned on the pizza plug, where Mm -hmm. someone uses you as money laundering, but also is essentially taking the money from you. You're Mm -hmm. like the middleman, but you're left holding the bag at the end, but luckily the rabbi saw through it. I tell you what, if you believe in hell, that's a straight ticket to it, scamming a
3: church or a synagogue out of millions of dollars Mm -hmm. in january of 2018 simon matched with cecile schroeder fielhoy on tinder in london she told vg news that his profile photos were very flashy they showed simon wearing gucci sweaters sitting on private jets she swiped right and found they had matched after briefly chatting on whatsapp Simon invited Cecile to meet him at the Four Seasons Hotel on London's Park Lane, home to some of the most expensive hotels, prestigious residences, and grand car showrooms in the city. During the meeting, Cecile found herself impressed by his good looks and charming personality. During the date, Simon also said he works with diamonds and told her his dad was the king of diamonds, making him
2: the prince of diamonds. And stuff like this is—I don't think she would have heard the name Lviv and automatically gone, "Oh, he's the Lviv diamond guy." Right? I think, and then because later he just kind of goes, "Well, I, I just told him that was my last name," and they all just made the connection. I, no, I think you—that's – something you drop in conversation, yeah, which but, is douchey, but
3: because you're—and then he goes on to tell them, "My business is in the diamond industry and in the diamond mm-hmm. trade, and that's why I'm having to fly around." So, yeah, they he obviously directly said, like, I am the son of this man. Mm-hmm. She says in the documentary, I mean, they matched and like within 30 minutes, she was at the Four Seasons meeting him. That's how yeah. fast that went. And she said she was waiting in the lobby and it's this opulent, gorgeous hotel. And he comes out of the elevator just dressed to the nines. And I mean, in that setting, who wouldn't be charmed? Yeah, You're like, like said, goddamn, like a I'm living
2: like a celebrity. Yeah, I'm like, like royalty the- right now. Mm-hmm. You get invited by Prince Charming, literally, because mm-hmm. he says he's the Prince of Diamonds. Yes. Within hours of meeting, Simon
3: asked Cecile to accompany him on his private jet from London to Bulgaria. He said he had important business to attend to, but didn't want to have to cut their date short. Despite a group text of girlfriends telling her it was not wise, Cecile decided to throw caution to the wind. She went home, hurriedly packed an overnight bag, and was then whisked away to the airport in a luxury car driven by one of Simon's personal drivers. Cecile felt comfortable with her decision. She and Simon already had so much in common. The conversation had flowed, and there appeared to be an instant attraction. Doing her due diligence, she had also googled his name. When several articles came up confirming he was the son of billionaire diamond oligarch Lev Leviv, she had no reason to believe the stories he had
2: told her weren't true. And that's the other part is that it's not just him running the con is he has a driver and a bodyguard and a, and whoever, however they're being paid or whatever's right. going on or however their connection is, that further sells the story. So being like, what an idiot. I can't believe someone would fall for it. If someone says, I'm a billionaire and I have a driver and we're going on a jet. I mean, he's essentially proving, right. proving out his wealth by just show. I mean, it's showing, not telling. I was just literally about to say showing, not
3: telling. It's one thing if... This was all over text and, Mm -hmm. well, I have a, you know, and just telling her these things. This, I mean, you're seeing this with your own eyes. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking, I don't even think it would cross your mind that this is a ruse because it would be such an elaborate and expensive one that that would never be what you first went to. You would just think, God damn, this guy is super wealthy. And you Google him, unreal wealthy. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. When Cecile boarded the private jet, she said it was like stepping into a movie. Also on board was a woman that Simon said was his ex and a young girl that was their daughter. Simon said the two had a good relationship and were co-parenting. Cecile thought it was awkward at first, but when the woman began to talk about what a great father Simon was to their daughter, Cecile became more at ease. She told documentarians,
2: Very quickly it became
3: very personal, and that's what I really liked about it. And she had, I mean, she's very upfront that... I was ready to marry. I wanted love. I mm-hmm. She says she had been on Tinder forever. She was like a, a pro at it. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to have this fairytale romance. So when you think that's what you got, that makes it even sadder.
2: Yeah. And whenever you walk onto the plane and you see another woman, first of all, I would be like, what? But we all have a past. <laughs> sure. And If the woman really is selling it as well and says, no, he's a great dad. And you think, oh, well, they're very, you know, you're not going to have like X drama. Like they're clearly totally like fine with each other. Putting the kid first. I totally respect that. He's a great dad. It's again, just all these marks that he thinks he's and that's what oh we had so much in common it was an instant attraction well yeah when the person you're with is lying to you of course you've seen like yeah we i love you know i love the movie elf me (laughs) too my favorite movie (laughs) a lot of unpopular opinion takes turns out a lot of people more people than we knew hate the movie elf um on our patreon we did that but yeah if you say that and you're like you just so happens that oh my gosh me too and Mm -hmm. you think we have so much in common it's just these breadcrumbs it's eh? a lie Yeah, yeah it's a
3: lie it's all a lie It was only after about six weeks of dating that Simon began asking Cecile for money. After sending photos from an ambulance of his bodyguard, Peter, with a bloody gash on his face, Simon asked Cecile, I want to ask you a favor if you have an American Express credit card. He said he needed her card so that his enemies, the ones who had injured his bodyguard, could not track him and kill him. He told her that Peter had been injured that night trying to protect Simon from being stabbed to death. Cecile felt compelled to help, saying in a later interview, I truly
2: believe that he was in danger. He needed my name to travel safely under. And this was also after they had consummated the relationship. Oh, yes. Very quickly they did that.
3: And, I mean, I'm... I definitely cannot judge about that. No,
2: no, no. no. But, uh, and th- I think it was on the Bulgaria trip, but that also, like, he had said, Oh, I have these scars. I was in prison yeah. and I was beaten for being Jewish in prison. And I, I, you know, I'm because of this, my industry I'm in, I have all these enemies and was really planting the seeds of, Oh, yeah. I really have to watch out because of enemies. I, w- I have to, I always have to be careful about where I travel. And then, of course, you show a picture, oh, Peter in the back of the ambulance, like, Got yeah, a lot of questions about Peter too. I got Peter's litigious. <laughs>
3: I want to know I want to know what the driver Peter and there's also a business partner that's featured in the documentary that what are do, do they know what he's doing? Tommy said absolutely. They 100%. These are just his buddies and they know what he's doing. Or are they also being scammed at least a little or
2: Are they getting paid off to make it seem like he's a baller? Great. All of these are great questions. They don't explain it in the documentary. The women who were victims say they were all in on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would make the most sense. And the people that were involved, Peter said, I didn't know what was going on. You're besmirching my good name. How are you going to explain you being in the back of an ambulance then with blood all
3: over your face? And there's also a... Like, someone dressed as a doctor in the ambulance, (laughs) tending to him. So there's another
2: actor you have involved. Or, were they fucking around? Peter Tripp falls, hits his head. (laughs) They're in the ambulance, and Simon's like, let me get a selfie. We can use this. That could be, too. Maybe it was just, like,
3: Peter had too much to drink, fell down, and then he's like, oh,
2: well, this gives me a great idea. That could also be... That could also be the case. Yes, uh, we don't know, but yeah, the, it's never you know. Obviously, S- Simon's been in prison for stuff, and you know the women have told their stories and everything, but it's very nebulous who these o- other parties are are that are involved mm-hmm. and that say we had no, we were we were victims too. Mm-mm, I don't buy that. Mm. He's also
3: by this time told Cecile he loves her. They're texting. I mean. Hu- Dozens and dozens of times a day. day. You know, he's, whenever he's in town, he's spoiling her with gifts and stuff. And so very
2: quickly, it got very serious. And he would, she would always be like, oh, where are you? And he would send his location and Mm -hmm. send pictures. And it was always five-star accommodation. Fine hotels. For sure. Yes. They would say he would geotag it. So Mm -hmm. he couldn't
3: lie about where he was. Mm -hmm. It would, I mean, I don't know how that works, but. I guess it, it's possible to lie, but they said, like, so we really knew he was, like, in uh, the Mykonos or whatever, because that's mm-hmm. what his geotag said. While still dating Cecile and having her apartment hunt for the two of them, Simon continued to be active on Tinder. In March of 2018, he matched with a woman named Pernilla Scholholm. Pernilla, a businesswoman, was living in Sweden at the time she had recently split from her fiancé and decided, like so many others, to look for love online. She swiped right on a good-looking debonair gentleman named Simon. What Pernilla didn't know was that Simon was already dating Cecile, who he had been with for just around two months by now. After purchasing a plane ticket for Pernilla, the two met up in Amsterdam for a date. The pair quickly realized their relationship was better off platonic and instead formed a fast friendship. Meanwhile. Cecile, concerned for her boyfriend's safety, continued sending him money and receiving false documents from Simon's bank, allegedly showing he was paying her back. Cecile soon became concerned. They had spoken every single day since meeting 12 weeks prior. She would wake up to messages from him saying, Good morning, dear. Did you sleep well? But rather than continue their romance, Simon's messages increasingly became requests for money. After he maxed out her Platinum American Express card, Simon asked Cecile to loan him $25,000 in cash. To do this, she had to take out a loan. She then personally delivered it to him in Amsterdam, unaware that her money was being used to pay for Simon and Pernilla's
2: extravagant outings. And you can't blame Pernilla. She didn't know. know, She just thought he was rich and had a big wad of cash, didn't know it came from another woman's loan. So all of these women... Are, their things are being paid for
3: by the women before them. Yes, it's so a lady it, it, Ponzi scheme. It's a Ponzi scheme, yeah. So uh, to think you're going to to try and get your boyfriend, who you love, who you're – she's shopping for like what he told her was a $15,000 a month budget for a flat. And she's FaceTiming him in apartments like, oh, I really like this one. And I mean, it's all in the documentary. They're gorgeous apartments. You think you're looking for your – forever home you're going to get married he's told her they're going to get married she's going to have his babies and then you fly out and give him a bunch of cash you think you're protecting him and he, instead he's using it to pay for clubs and dinners for another woman and the yikes. same night all in yeah. this this is all happening at the same time mhm how do you not have a conscience
2: it's rough it's and he you know like i said he seems very unapologetic to this totally. day and just says well they gave it to me they wanted to give it to me i'm like that's different though than you know i tell you hey man we're at the restaurant and i forgot my wallet mm-hmm. when in really i have my wallet and like hey sucker i just got right. my money you didn't want to give me i mean you're you're gonna do it because you were friends and whatever and i'll catch you next time but like that's not the same as it be... that that's a lie i mean i'm just right that's by deception that's a that's a thing right man. yeah that's yeah fun. yeah for sure <laughs> yeah.
3: In a last-ditch effort to save the relationship, Cecile invited Simon to meet her in Oslo. He would never show up for the meeting. In just 13 weeks, Cecile had taken out 10 loans for Simon and lost $250,000. When a check he sent to her for $500,000 did not go through, Simon declared he had tried to help her and he was done with the whole thing. Unable to pay her creditors, Cecile admitted to American Express that she had been lying about her being the one spending the money while traveling. When she showed Amex statements and pictures of Simon, they broke the news to her that he was a con man they had been trying to catch for quite some time. Cecile cut off Simon completely, reported him to the authorities in Norway and England, then contacted journalists at the publication VG and shared her story. That's what a What a revelation.
2: I From mean, a just... credit
3: card company of all... <laughs>
2: Damn. right but also it's so sad the mm-hmm. the bg the article is told in words and images and video and the same with they use the same images in the documentary because she, she documented a ton of this because a lot of their conversations were on whatsapp and mm-hmm. she would take videos and stuff so she has the text but then also it's a video of her just like filming where she's at in Oslo, mm-hmm. being like i really thought he would be here i just mm-hmm. really thought that he would show because he expressed all this love for her like he said yes the money is horrible but there's also this, like, lifelong scar of, like, mm-hmm. trusting. Can mm-hmm. I trust again? How am I going to trust? And that's why you, it's hard for me to just go, oh, what a bunch of dummies. They just gave away all their money. No, like, she went there genuinely believing this was, like, the father of her future children. If they were dummies, they can't all be dummies.
0: As yeah. many
3: women as he's done this to. I mean, he's very good at what he does. Yeah. It's his job, and he's very good at it. Mm-hmm. So... they're not dummies. He's
2: just a very good snake. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you, man. You don't feel bad that you got bit by a snake when that's all they do is Mm -hmm. they bite. And you're just the ankle that was walking by Mm -hmm. that you happened to swipe and you did nothing wrong in the swiping.
3: Yeah, I mean, who knows how many people he swiped on and met up with that didn't fall for it. You know, Mm -hmm. but a ton of them did, which now that I think about it, that is interesting. I wonder if there were some that were just like, nah, I'm not into you. And, like, like, left before they could get had. Or say, like, my credit's not good enough to get it. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I do not have this money to like, give you. I and money. I ain't going to no bank and pulling out a bunch of money. But, you know, if you really are in love and, and mm-hmm. you think they're in love with you, like, that's, that's hard. It's not just, like, somebody that is a friend or a co-worker. Like, this is the person you think you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Mm-hmm. And she said... Because of that, when he asked her for this money in in credit cards, she thought, of course, I'm your girlfriend. This is what I would do, you know? But like how we would think if Tommy or Paris asked us for something Mm -hmm. like that. I'd
2: be like, you owe me, though. I'm going to keep a spreadsheet.
3: (laughs) I'm like, our money is in one account. So (laughs) you can have whatever's in there because it's also mine. (laughs) As we're recording, we ain't married yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That is true. Simon's friendship with Pernilla progressed. They would take holidays with friends, enjoy lavish parties, and wildly expensive dinners. Money was not a problem, Simon would tell her, as he was the son of Lev Lviv, the King of Diamonds. Even though Simon and Pernilla were not involved romantically, that didn't stop him from running the same scam on her as the previous woman. Eight months after meeting, Simon called Pernilla late one night, telling her his enemies were out to get him and that his bank accounts had been frozen as a means of protection to sell the story he sent her the same photos of a bloodied peter that he had sent to cecile terrified for her friend's safety prunilla agreed to loan simon some money believing she would be quickly paid back simon assured her reimbursement
2: checks would be arriving shortly so just completely aside from bloodied peter's hilarious <laughs> I didn't even think about that when I when wrote that said, or I wouldn't have written it. <laughs> he sent a photo of a bloody Peter. I was oh, like, no. bitch, dick, unmatched. We ain't friends over. Blocked. Yeah, I'm that is a dick that.
3: pic. Nobody wants in their it's DMs. Just,
2: it's God, all DM. mashed up. <laughs> Why is it matched? Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I mean, all What's of it. What's really
3: sad is that she was saving. She was living with her mom and she mm-hmm. was saving up to move into her own place. And she had saved all this money and was about to move. And mm-hmm. it was also around Christmas time. God. But she said, Well, what's to the interviewers, like, what's more important? My apartment or
2: helping my friend that's in danger? And that's what he was it wasn't just, Man, boy, I really need some money. It was like I will die the and the stakes I'll were be high stabbed to death yeah. if you don't yeah. send this money.
3: For sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's why it was so convincing is the stakes were very high. So it wasn't like you're just letting him down because he can't, you know, pay a bill, like his life is at danger. Mm-hmm. When Prinella received the first check, she was surprised and delighted to see that it was for significantly more than she had loaned Simon, his way of saying thank you. What Pernilla didn't know at the time was that the
2: checks were fake. In an interview, she told Nine Honey. I went into the bank and they sort of legitified the transfer. They just said, oh, everything is fine. The money is going to come soon. You go into your bank, you have so much faith in the system, you would think they would know if something was wrong. Unless you go in your damn bank, they have no money in there. <laughs> Then it's shady as fuck. (laughs) You would think that they would know if something was wrong. Yeah, I thought it was digital now. I feel like back in the day, you go to the grocery store, you write a check. Now, when you go to the grocery store and write a check, it's like ACH style. Like they put it through a little scanner thingy and it scans the numbers at the bottom, which tell like your routing number and your account number. So it comes out immediately? I don't know that it comes out immediately, but I thought it was almost like when you do a credit card, like, authorization. Oh. I don't know how checks entirely work. I have not written a check. I honestly can –
3: I think the last check I wrote was in 2015 when I was getting married.
2: Yeah, I used to do checks when I had my law practice because I would have to, like – I had the IOLTA separate, like, client trust account, my regular account, but – I mean, I have a checkbook, but it's just – I don't really – I do not even have a checkbook. Like, avoided check to, like, do direct deposit, which we are our own direct deposit now. But, like, (laughs) I think that was the last time I gave someone a check as a – like, my old job when I was Mm -hmm. signing up for direct deposit. But, yeah, I I would think that a bank would be able to – if it's for significantly more than she thought, so say it's six figures or even high five figures, I imagine the bank would call and authorize. You would think –
3: the, the check he sent, I believe, was for a hundred grand. yeah, and she had loaned him 30, so I mean, that's a big difference, yeah. Banks also lulled Cecile into a false sense of security. With all the money she had lent Simon, he paid her back with similarly false checks. However, Cecile's bank told her that delays in the funds weren't due to any issues with the accounts, but were instead because of
2: the amounts. Cecile said. The check that he gave me, I just handed it over to my UK bank, and they told me everything was fine with the check, but it was just too large of a sum. And I was like, oh, so the check is fine? And they were like, yeah, the check is real. Soon it came to light that the checks
3: weren't fine, and the women were on the hook for all the money they had given Simon. Well, also, don't be taking checks from people, turns out. <laughs> uh, what's also, we had, they, they discussed in the documentary is, when he maxed out her Amex, He was like, you need to call and get them to up your limit. Well, you have to show proof of, like, income and stuff of why they should do that. So he fake set it up like she was receiving $94,000 a month from the diamonds place and forged this to to Amex so it looked like they were getting all of this money. And so they upped her limit a ton. Well, now she's got all this I mean, she's just completely screwed, but he would keep using it and they would kept calling her or they would cancel or freeze the the card because he'd be all over the fucking world. And like any credit card does, they they're like, this is shady spending. I'm going to shut this down until we, and she would have to call and be like, no, that's me traveling. Can you please unfreeze the account? And she said daily, he would call her and be pissed because it had been frozen again because he's running through like 20 G's a day.
2: Yeah. And also the really the kind of sad, scary part is that once you have then taken that document that he's given you and presented it to your credit card company, you've now just committed credit card fraud. Mm -hmm. So Now you're an accessory to this fraud. And so it's hard at the end of all this to go, okay, well, we want to prosecute him. Well, what do you want to prosecute him for? Oh, credit card fraud. Oh, I also was a part of that. But that's that's why
3: it was good on Amex for when she admitted like, hey, this was not me. Instead of pressing charges and stuff, they said they came to her house to Mm -hmm. represent and said, you're a victim. And then, you know, she showed pictures and they're like, yes, this is him. He also goes by this name. And they said he also goes by Shimon. And so that's how she started Googling and found out he had been arrested for these crimes against these three Finnish women. And it just all started unraveling from there.
2: But that's, I mean, for him, it's extremely insidious to then lure them into complicity so that it almost, you would feel, if you didn't know that or if you didn't have compassionate credit card companies, that you would be like, oh, shit, well, I lied to him, too. Well, I, now mm-hmm. I can't say anything. And luckily mm-hmm. they were brave and they came forward, but who's to say that he hasn't done this to other people and they said, oh, shit, well, I kind of did it, too, so I'm yeah, not say anything.
3: Sure. Yeah, and I think that's part of his plan.
2: When all was said and done, Pernilla was out
3: over $45,000. Meanwhile, journalists from VG were hunting Simon, having received over 400 pages of WhatsApp messages from Cecile that had taken place between the two of them. They found his childhood home, contacted law enforcement officials who had been involved in his earlier arrest, and combed through Cecile's documents. In her bank and credit card statements, they found Pernilla's name as one of the recipients of airline tickets. The journalists contacted Pernilla and let her know she was yet another of Simon's victims. I appreciate the integrity of the journalist and the credit card company. Like, all of these people, they're the ones connecting the dots here Mm -hmm. and letting these women
2: know, like, this is what's going on. Yeah, and you imagine you get that call and go, Hi, I'm a journalist. Do you know Simon Leviev? And you're like, of course, we're best friends. Mm -hmm. Have some bad news for you. Yeah, but then it all starts to come together. You're like,
3: oh, this makes a lot of sense now. And... Uh, When Cecile contacted VG and sent all of this information, she says in the documentary, I basically gave them access to our entire relationship and I knew it was going to be really embarrassing. I mean, there's like intimate text and everything and, and pictures, but she said, I didn't want any other woman to go through this and I knew he would keep doing it. So if mm-hmm. it meant me being vulnerable and putting my story out there to prevent him from doing it again, I'm going to do it. And that's also very admirable.
2: It's very brave. And at the, one of the initial clips on the VG story, they ask her, why are you here to tell your story today? And she said, or why do you want to tell your story today? And she said, I don't want to, but I feel like I have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Knowing she would never get her money back. Pernilla set up a meeting with Simon in Munich and informed the journalist where they would be. She asked Simon to return the stolen funds. Instead of cash, Simon offered an expensive watch. When Pernilla had the watch appraised back in Stockholm, it turned out to be a fake. Shocking. Yeah, no one's surprised about that. No longer interested in pretending to be his friend, Pernilla eventually decided to confront Simon in Oslo. She called him on the phone and allowed VG to film her. She told Simon that she had evidence confirmation from Israeli police that he was the perpetrator in earlier crimes, receipts from what he had done, and proof from other victims. Simon denied everything at first. When Pernilla persisted, he became agitated and threatening, telling her, I'm telling you that if you double-cross me, you're going to pay. With no other choice and Simon unwilling to negotiate or pay her back, Pernilla decided to report him to authorities. Shortly after... VG published its article on Simon, called The Tinder Swindler, complete with photos of him and details of what he had done. One reader was startled when she read the article, saw the photos, and recognized the man being called a fraud was her boyfriend of 14 months. Stomach drop. This woman was on a plane. Yeah. About to to take off, scrolling through her phone, and sees this. Mm-mm. And then reads it, and then you got to turn off your phone, and she said she just stewed for the next several hours. Like She said she lost everything in, in one flight. Mm-hmm. And then you land, and she had was at the airport because she had just seen him. She was flying back to where she lived. God. Dude. That feeling. I know. There's also, um when, or when Pernilla confronts Simon and he gives her the watch... He's The business partner is with them and they do so. It's a very fancy restaurant, and she said, I just felt so guilty because I knew another woman was paying for this whole thing. Yeah. And the um, the journalists are there hidden trying to catch photos because they wanted to document and show police, like, he's able to be caught because one reason he couldn't be caught is that he traveled so much. Mm-hmm. He sees them taking pictures, starts um, freaking out, grabs her in the – business partner jumps in a car and speeds away. Yes. And she said, she was like, you have to play the role of your lifetime because if you don't, and he knows that you tip them off, you're not getting out of this. And she played into it and was like, Simon, are these your enemies? Are they after me too? You know, and really fed into it. And eventually she just said, let me out of the car, let me out of the car. And and he let her go Mm -hmm. and they got away. And luckily she wasn't hurt, but um,
2: what a tense moment for her. Oh, it's the right of your life. that you're yeah. like, like you said, you got to s- s- not just... All right, you son of a bitch. I know who you are. But mm-hmm. like, oh, your enemies. I've heard of them.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, these are the ones that you've been saying are out to get you? Yeah. Also, when he noticed that the journalists were taking pictures, he started speaking in Hebrew to his business partner. And she said he was very agitated. She couldn't understand what they were saying. And then they just jumped in the car. So like you said... He's speaking in a different language, so they don't know what he's saying. Are they saying, like, oh, we've been found out, The, the you know, like, because – I can't remember the – Aviche or something was his name – is in on it, too? Or mm-hmm. do they – you know, is he trying to, like, convince him, like,
2: that it's also his enemies? You're going to get stabbed tonight. we right? got to go. Or, like, oh, shit, it's probably the press. The jig is up. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Or the cops. Yeah. Just like with Cecile
3: and Pernilla – Eileen Charlotte had been convinced to hand over money to Simon based on stories of his so-called enemies. The pair had met on Tinder 14 months before Eileen saw her beau had been labeled a swindler. After seeing the VG article, Eileen confronted Simon, who told her it was all a lie, published by his enemies to try and
2: destroy him. Eileen didn't buy it. Yeah, because all the selfies he sent to Cecile and Pernilla, he was sending to her too. He was and copy and and everything. And the bloody Peter pictures, yeah. Yeah, you get the bloody Peter, you've seen it. <laughs> Once you've seen it, you can't
3: unsee the bloody Peter. By the time she discovered who he truly was, Eileen, an executive in the fashion industry, had given Simon around 103,000 pounds, a little over 135,000 U.S. dollars. Knowing that he was not who he said he was, she decided rather than get mad, she would get even. She convinced Simon that she was an ally and offered to use her knowledge of his extensive collection of designer clothes to try and recoup her losses. When Simon asked for money, rather than offer her own, she offered to sell his clothes for cash. Having been scammed by him the duration of the relationship, she decided she would keep the money for herself.
2: This has made her an internet hero.
3: (laughs) This, of all of them, this was, she was Tommy's favorite. Oh, that's great. He's like, hell Yeah. Get yours, Eileen. With each expensive piece she would sell, Eileen pocketed the proceeds. With the VG article out, Simon had been unsuccessful in conning more women on Tinder. Eileen was now his primary source of income, a position she knew gave her a lot of power. Yeah, I imagine it's hard to um, get a woman to go on a date with you when there's a huge article splashed all over the place calling you the Tinder swindler.
2: Yeah, and people sharing it with each other and Mm -hmm. sharing it on groups and stuff. And you go like, everybody watch out for this. And you're like, I've seen you. Mm -hmm. Or you're like, I got had by you. I know exactly
3: who you Mm -hmm. are. A desperate Simon would ask over and over where the funds from his clothes were. And each time, Eileen would put him off. Eventually, rather than threaten Eileen like he had the other women, Simon attempted to pull at her heartstrings. He would send her selfies in which he looked disheveled. He would show her videos of hostels he was staying in for just dollars a night. A far cry from the five-star accommodations he was used to.
2: Yeah, cry me a river. I wish I really I send me some money. I'm like, call your dad. Your dad's you so rich. Why don't you get you some diamonds from work and sell those?
3: That was what was confusing, and I think they explain it in the documentary that he I mean, of course it's all my enemies. I can't contact anyone because everyone's in in uh being threatened and in danger, so it always got brushed off like that. He started mm-hmm. calling himself the homeless king instead of the, yeah. to her. It's like, you really, you're this rich and you don't got a account somewhere that you can access or somebody
2: can't bring you some cash. Like, give me a break. Yeah. Right. It's like, who did you know? You don't, where are your other friends? Why am mm-hmm. I your only friend? Where's Peter? <laughs> right. Peter's bloody.
3: Simon eventually realized Eileen had no intention of giving him any money. She told documentarians that at that point, his personality darkened. He began leaving her 20-minute-long voicemails. At times, he pleaded with her, saying,
2: You have no idea how much I love you. You just need to trust me one last time. When that didn't work, he became more aggressive. Don't send me lies. I know how to lie. I can teach you how to lie. I need this money to succeed. As he had with both Cecile and Pernilla, Simon eventually threatened Eileen. You will get the worst fucking enemy you have ever seen in your life for you and your fucking family if you ever play with me. Give it the money today.
3: He got the um, families of a lot of these women involved, too. Mm-hmm. When um, Cecile uh, left, she when she realized what all had happened, she called her mom and like all moms, she said, come home. I will, I will take care of you. Mm-hmm. And she flew home. But she realized when she was there that he knew where her mom lived. He called the – he had their phone number and he called and left messages there that were threatening. And, you know, she was really worried that she had
2: was going to ha- put her family in danger. Especially if you know – I mean, you don't know if his enemies or whatever is true, what the extent mm-hmm. of that is. But you're like, he at least has some sort of resources to do these things. So you don't – you know, it's not a – unreasonable worry to think he has the resources and assets to hurt us if he wanted to and this is just also classic abuser behavior Mm -hmm. of pleading and then when the pleading doesn't work the threatening Mm -hmm. and uh and threatening of the family and also
3: even if you think he doesn't have the financial means he's completely unhinged Mm -hmm. and desperate yes yeah a bad combo Fed up with his attempts to con her, Eileen reported his actions to law enforcement. Simon let her know exactly what time he would be boarding a flight, so she was able to alert authorities to his whereabouts, resulting in him being arrested and taken into custody. It's so satisfying. (laughs) Dude, and it wasn't even, he, what he did was, he said, I'm going to be flying to Athens and she knew where he was, and she did some sleuthing and got on mm-hmm. the airline website and said, okay, he told me at this time he was going to be flying. His phone, I know that i am he hasn't read anything right now, and he, she said he's always on his phone, so I know that his phone is off, which means he's flying. So she looked up, like, this is the time he probably took off. She called the authorities and said he's on this flight. At this time, he was going by the... Um, Named David Sharon. She's mm-hmm. like, he's going by this name, and they were waiting for him. God damn, so satisfying. And then she immediately okay. called Pernilla and Cecile and were like, We got him. <laughs> I love that they bonded together mm-hmm. over yeah. this and, and we're all in it to like really get him. Absolutely. You gotta you gotta find their safety in numbers. Yes. In twenty nineteen, Simon was arrested in Greece using a forged passport. He denied all allegations against him. He told the Times of Israel the women were
2: upset with him for reasons other than money, saying, Maybe they didn't like being in a relationship with me or the way that I act. Maybe their hearts were broken during the process. When reached by
3: ABC's Nightline via text in May of 2019, he chalked it all up to, Alone
2: between friends that went south. He also had more to say about his victims, claiming he was the real victim. They used me for my life. They got expensive gifts and everything. In other words, gold diggers. When I ask help, they agreed to help, and they know that I have some problems. I didn't run from no one. It's all fake news and lies. Simon
3: was extradited to Israel in October of 2019. Two months later, a Tel Aviv magistrate court sentenced Simon to serve 15 months in jail and to pay $43,000 in compensation to his victims. As he served time in Israel, he was also wanted for crimes related to fraud and forgery in Norway, Sweden, and the United Kingdom, according to the Times of Israel.
2: So you feel good. You're like, oh, he got arrested, but he's chalking up so many crimes that he's only... It's like piecemeal. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you're going down for this one, but we like still... the Murdochs. Yeah. hmm With the
3: onset of COVID-19, Simon was released from jail in May of 2020, five months into his 15-month sentence. He initially launched a website offering business advice and, unsurprisingly, jumped back on the Tinder app. With his face splashed all over the news... It wasn't long before Tinder banned him for life. He also got banned from Hinge. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay, Cupid, Plenty of Fish. Like, all of them were like, nah, we ain't having this. You out. (laughs) Yeah. In late 2021, a news crew in Israel conducted an interview with Simon. He appeared on camera in a luxury home he told the crew he owned. Simon continued to have no remorse
2: for what he did, telling crews, I was wrong for things I never did. I always loved the good life. I will not lie. However, after the interview aired, the owner of the
3: Airbnb he had rented expressed shock to the news team, saying... Obviously,
2: he did not live in it. Did you again think that wasn't going to come out? Like, we couldn't look it up on the website where yeah. it's public to rent it? <laughs> Idiot. But, but it's like he can't help himself. Yeah.
3: it's And you wonder, is it really... That he can't help himself? Or does he believe his own lie? Is it just so second nature that he doesn't even think about doing it? It's just like diarrhea of the mouth. It just spews out of his mouth before he can even really think about what he's saying because he's so conditioned to lying. Or just so arrogant that they will believe me. Of course Mm -hmm. they'll believe me. On February 2nd, 2022, Netflix released the documentary, The Tender Swindler, directed by Felicity Morris, known for previously directing Don't Fuck With Cats, The documentary was an overwhelming success. Netflix estimated that approximately 23 million people watched the nearly two-hour feature in the first week alone. Just two days after its premiere, Variety reported that the streaming service was in talks to adapt the documentary into a feature film. Not everyone was so happy with the documentary. On February 22nd, as the documentary was increasing in popularity, Simon's bodyguard in the film, Peter, sent a cease-and-desist letter to Netflix. The letter claimed that Netflix used Peter's image without his permission and failed to get his side of the story. It also demanded 5 million euros, 3 million for the harm suffered, and 2 million for lost wages for his inability to work as a security professional
2: anymore. So far, Netflix has not responded publicly to the demands. Yeah, I suppose if it's a famous photo of you getting whacked in the head uh bleeding all over the place. But in this case I think it's good promotion cuz Simon didn't get stabbed to death by his enemies cuz Peter took the lump on the head. But. Yeah. So
3: if if you're yeah. on the up and up then you should be getting more uh work. Can
2: do they have to ask to use his image? The question becomes, you know, who is now a public figure and I think limited purpose in regards to this story. He after VG published the news article on him, and he participated in whatever way he participated in this. I don't want to call it a scheme, but, you know, he was. Well, it was, it was
3: definitely a scheme, but what who's to say if he knew of the scheme or not? Yeah, like
2: how much he knew or whatever. But I mean, it is a true statement. I don't think that they're defaming him at no point in the documentary. He may be unhappy that he didn't get paid by Netflix or that he didn't get to go on camera. Mm -hmm. But I don't think at any point did they say, this guy is a scammer. No, he's the switch. You know what I mean? It was just like it is a fact that he worked as Simon's bodyguard, period. And so I think they don't need to get his uh, permission. um, And especially because Simon sent that picture of them, that selfie of them. To Cecile, and then Cecile gave it to the newspaper, and the newspaper published it, you know, then you start going, this is already, we're not, Netflix isn't the first person to right. put this picture of him yeah. bleeding in the back of an ambulance. Yeah. And if they want to publish the Bloody Peter, then they're going to do it. So, <laughs> I think, you know, you see Netflix, 23 million people are watching this, and Netflix has deep pockets, and yeah. you might say. For sure. Exactly.
3: The actual l'viv Diamond family wants nothing to do with the con man that tried to stake claim to their fortune. Presently, they have filed a multimillion-dollar lawsuit against Simon on charges of defamation, invasion of privacy, breach of trademark, and impersonation. An attorney for the Levives told E! News that the family hopes their lawsuit forces Simon to face justice and get the sentence he deserves. The attorney also promised that more lawsuits are on the way. Good. I mean, they got a lot of reason to sue.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's not just it happens to be the last name Smith,
3: right? No, it's a. Not only is it like not I don't know how common the last name it is, but they're the specific diamond family. And he said, "My father is the king of diamonds. I'm the prince of diamonds." I mean, there was a very clear connection there. Yeah, doubling down.
2: A rep for Simon told E News that. Simon believes the family is just trying to insert themselves in the narrative for publicity after the show's success. Years earlier,
3: Simon had his name legally changed to Laviv. He told Israel's Channel 12 News,
2: I have the right to choose whatever name I want. I never presented myself as the son of anyone, but people use their imaginations. Bullshit. (laughs) My face. Heather's giving the bullshit look. I'm saying I mean, it would be one thing if you just said... My name is Simon Levive, and my career is in the diamond industry. hmm And then someone Googled Levive diamond, and it pops up or whatever, and they make those connections. But I don't think that Cecile, apropos of nothing, would go, he's the son of, he's the prince of diamonds, mm-hmm. absent him telling her that. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's, it's one of those where the women have too many details that I don't think they could have just made that connection on their own. Like, he clearly spoon-fed it to them. Mm-hmm. It's like um, on a much worse uh, note, the,
3: was it the Am I the Asshole that we covered where the guy called out his
2: friend that kept saying he was friends with the video game maker who Yes, he said he was like Gabe's son's best friend and he knew all the secrets about the video games. Yeah. Having been permanently banned from Tinder did not stop Simon
3: from finding love. He appeared on Inside Edition with his then girlfriend, an Israeli model
2: named Kate Conlon. Standing by her man, she told Inside Edition People sometimes do crazy and stupid things, but they say, okay, now I'm different, and this is how I take Simon. Well, just keep credit cards to yourself.
3: (laughs) I read in page six that they now are just friends, apparently. Oh, interesting. So, but she got into a relationship with him fully knowing of the documentary and of the article and at that point you got to say listen you you know the facts
2: if if you get had this is on you yeah uh, separate checks we're going to be doing separate checks <laughs> i mean dutch we're all yeah. just going doing our own thing yeah
3: and what many find to be a gross reward for criminal behavior L.A.-based talent manager Gina Rodriguez, founder of Jatoni Agency, recently
2: signed Simon as a client. She said in an interview with L.A. Mag, I was intrigued with the Netflix story. I saw The World's Greatest Salesman, but it left me with a lot of unanswered questions and was very biased. I believe there are two sides to every story, and everyone should have the chance to tell their side of the story. Presently, Simon is in talks to write a
3: book. Host a dating podcast, and star in a reality game show where female contestants compete for his love, according to Esquire. There are also rumors that he is working on a movie about his life in the vein of Catch Me If You Can and Wolf of Wall Street. He is also available on Cameo to provide personal greetings for $200 a piece. And business greetings for $1,400. It's This is so gross to me. Yeah. I mean to uh, Tony agency. Get, what are you doing? I mean, Basty. like, there's two sides to every story, sure, but when one of those sides, he is, time and time again, been confirmed a con man who is taking money from innocent victims, why are you going to reward that?
2: Yeah, the same with Cameo. I think, you yeah. know, that's, it's not, because of course there's no murder here, not quite murderabilia, but when you you are yeah. rewarding someone who's committing crimes, then Are you telling people who maybe have a predilection towards it of you can do a bunch of crimes and when you get out, you write a book and we Mm -hmm. all want to make it into a movie. It'll be great. It's like, no, I think we should take these things as a learning experience and say, this is what happened to these women. We're going to hopefully all, you know, gird ourselves and say, it's not going to happen to me. Here's how to protect yourselves in the future. Not what, a you know, oh, I want to hear his side of it. Mm -hmm. Let's have a dating show. Don't go on that show. Nobody don't. Just don't.
3: No, no. Who wants to go on that show? And the podcast is him giving do's and don'ts of dating advice. All of it is don't. Just don't do mm-hmm. anything he did. It's so yeah. Gross. Let him
2: give you advice and then just do the opposite.
3: Mm-hmm. His victims told Inside Edition they feel sorry for him. The three women featured in the Netflix documentary have set up an official GoFundMe account in order to cover some of their losses. So far, they have recouped over 178,000 euros
2: of their 600,000 euro goal. So I think they got some compensation for participating in the documentary, but not enough to um, dig themselves out of the holes that he left them in. You know, it's
3: um, it says a lot about their compassion that they, after all of this, can feel sorry for him.
2: Yeah, and I think it's... They want to see him be punished. Obviously, they've all reported him to authorities, and just wa- watching him time and again evade capture and getting out of a fifteen-month sentence in only five months is frustrating too. I think mm-hmm. it's you know a mix of emotions. But like you said, they have a lot of sympathy. But I don't think I would. Think I would. So no, I they're would be better irritated. people than me. <laughs> yeah, I would be pissed off and irritated that <laughs> oh, he has forever. a movie or
3: a podcast or whatever mm-hmm. forever and ever. On March fourteenth, twenty twenty-two, Pranilla suffered what the media called. A legal setback. She was attempting to hold ING Bank, the financial institution that facilitated her wire payments to Simon, liable since Simon was on the bank's fraud watch list at the time of the transactions. The judge ruled in favor of the bank. That same judge previously ruled in favor of ING Bank when fellow victim Eileen Charlotte tried holding the bank accountable in August of 2021. Another judge will hear Pernilla's case at a later date according to Dutch newspaper, The Telegraph.
2: Yeah, it's... I think that's a breach of due diligence if you have a fraud watch list and then someone's trying to wire money to somebody and at the very least you don't go... Uh, We're happy to facilitate your transaction. However, before that, we would like you to know that they're on the fraud watch list. Because otherwise, what's the point of having a fucking fraud watch list? Yeah,
3: that's like having a no-fly list. People, you can't fly if you're on that list. You can't do things if you're on
2: a list. No, or like you can't write, you know, like if we, I don't know, send, uh, we pay our editor for editing our Havana Syndrome episode (laughs) and the payment gets stuck in Venmo because they think that we're sending money to Havana or whatever. True story. You know, I mean, it's like there's Venmo at the very least for, you know, not $100,000. You know, it's way, way, way less. Way way less.
3: And it was a real person that Tommy had to talk to to get that cleared of why, because the word Havana got flagged. And they had to say, what is this for? And he said, my wife's podcast. And he had to send like some screenshots of stuff. And they were like, cool, thanks. Even Venmo for much less than this was on the ball.
2: Not, uh, we have a fraud watch list in. Anyway, we sent him the 50 grand. Yeah. Sorry, it's gone. Cecile, meanwhile, has set up a nonprofit organization called Action
3: Reaction, aimed at helping victims of financial fraud. She said in an interview,
2: As for what's next, it's a big world and it's hard to know where to start, but I started in my home country of Norway. I'm talking to politicians about fraud because the system, when it comes to money, is so rigged towards protecting the banks. I started an organization, but I've not been able to get it off the ground yet because I've been trying to fix my own life. When I have the energy, I'll go out there and speak up for the cause.
3: Currently, Simon Levive resides in Israel as a free man. The Times of Israel reported that between 2017 to 2019, he swindled almost $10 million from unsuspecting women around the globe. He has never faced any charges relating to defrauding Cecile, Pernilla, or Eileen.
2: Speaking on his freedom, Pranilla told Israel's Channel 12 News. How can you give trust to a man like that who escaped from Israel twice? A man that deceived and swindled women in Europe for hundreds of thousands of euros? Where's the justice? Simon Laviv
3: continues to admit no wrongdoing, telling Inside Edition that the way he is portrayed in
2: Tinder Swindler is inaccurate. They're presented as documentary, but in truth, it's a completely made-up movie. I'm not a Tinder Swindler. I was just a single guy that wanted to meet some girls on Tinder. I'm not this monster. People don't know me, so they cannot judge me. I'm the biggest gentleman in the world.
3: If y'all could see our faces right <laughs> now. We're gone. So what do we think?
2: It's extremely frustrating mm-hmm. to see him escape uh, any kind of, uh, you know, prosecution for stuff like this. There's How has know. he? I don't understand how he's not, how he's just free and living his life. Well, a couple of things. I think one is let's assume that he committed crimes. He is not in, he's, he keeps avoiding the place where he committed the crime. And if it's not an act that you could get extradited for, or if the jurisdiction that would want to prosecute you is not pursuing extradition, then yeah, you can go live in another country and they're yeah. not going to send you back. But, you know, when you, you talk about inter country crimes, you know, you have Europol, which is, you know, a public prosecutor. It's like a the there's a European public mm-hmm. prosecutor. There's a European police force called Europol. But really, the purpose of that is not for him. It's for like, you know, terrorist, drug yeah. trafficking, you know, larger what they would, you know, consider to be a larger criminal enterprise. And it, sadly, $10 million is a significant amount of money. But when you're talking about human trafficking and you yeah. need to focus on saving lives. Unfortunately, the resources are just, you know, they're stretched to the limit and they can't help. And then the other problem is then does he have a defense because he gets them, like we said earlier, he gets them to be complicit. Like he calls yeah. and says, get your credit card. Here's a document. I'll make up. you know, I'll give you a document that says you make this money and then they're complicit. I'm not saying like that they did anything wrong. I'm just saying that the issue is the courts, who it's did hard what to
3: work it out yeah
2: yeah and it's a conspiracy and everything then the other thing is his defense which he says all along i i disagree with it because i do think that it's you know he's defrauded people and you can't say oh i'm if you don't give me money i'm going to be murdered and someone gives you money he kind of just says i didn't steal from them i lied to them and they yeah. chose to give me money and the same is like you know if he says hey i need cash and they say, I will give you cash so your team can travel safely, or I'll give you cash on the idea that you're going to pay me back. And it's a, then like Simon said, it's a loan between friends that went wrong. And then is that something civilly that you try to sue him for? Well, now, you know, does he have money? He's been, they spotted him like paparazzi spotted him like looking at like a Lamborghini or a mm-hmm. McLaren or something like really expensive wearing like a $7,000 jacket and like a couple thousand dollar shoes and stuff. So he's got getting money from somewhere. Um, So, I mean, maybe you could try to sue him. I don't know. But it's frustrating to see him now take a bunch of money from people, live high on the hog, ruin people's lives, and now be essentially rewarded for that behavior. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, with the agent and everything. I did read that some of his victims have filed lawsuits and complaints with Europol, but they basically have to wait for him to leave Israel to do
1: anything. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean,
3: he's just going to live there if it means, cause he's already served his time there. Yeah. Very short amount of time for COVID and good behavior. He got out way early. So I guess, um, unless the, uh, the travel bug of luxury life gets him <laughs> and he's like, I can't do it. I gotta, I
2: gotta go to Mykonos and somebody has got to be, um, ready to go, ready to yeah. intercept him. Pounce on him. So yeah, it's a shame. It's, it's what you see a lot in the financial crimes and all the clients I had of, Oh my gosh! This person said they were a charity, and I gave them twenty thousand dollars. And then you track it down, and it's in you know Canada, or it's in Europe somewhere, or it's in Asia or somewhere, or in Africa somewhere. And it's just like there's no getting it back. Once the yeah. wire is gone, the wire is gone. Dang, yeah, it's a bummer. Mm-hmm. It's
3: um, unfortunately something that happens a lot, and not a lot of people are. Um, prosecuted for it which nope. really sucks it's- it really does and then when you get a freaking game show and a podcast and a book deal and a movie deal out of it why would you ever think you did anything wrong you're like mm-hmm. oh this worked out better than I ever could have imagined
2: and like he seems inspired by catch me if you can gross so gross but Frank Abagnale at least has turned his life around and now helps like the yeah. AARP like explain scams and explain how they and try to demystify it so it doesn't happen to other people this guy is just like Mm-mm. wearing his gucci shoes and thinks he's like he's a trying badass. to ha-
3: charge 400 dollars for business advice if business by business advice do you mean scamming people illegally <laughs> fucking douche what business wants to say they took his class
2: yeah don't it's not <laughs> don't like that. i'm trained by the simon leviev school of business <laughs> like shred that that's embarrassing don't put that document up on your wall no no no
3: no no
2: As a thank you, you also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, Sinisterhood Sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group and the rolling the airways and getting into it tier. A special shout out on the show, monthly bonus mini This month is on Selkies, which are sexy seal people, <laughs> and a patron exclusive video and audio content including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Unpopular Opinions. We've referenced a few throughout. So if you're like, what are they talking about? The elf movie. You can listen to it all on Patreon It's a real good unpopular the opinion. Gosh. They're all submitted by Patreon, patrons, too, so they're extra good.
3: You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss hilarious and true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. We actually... Did one last night and our live stream earlier tonight. And this will come out after those. But if you're like, what kind of fun did they have? The replays are available if you go to Patreon.
2: Watch them on demand and then download the audio afterwards and post it the next day. Mm hmm. For our patrons not in the U.S., you have the option of paying pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available, and when you select this option, you are rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this
3: and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. Normally we would do shout-outs after our sign-offs, but we are going to wait until we're back in two weeks um, and do them all then.
2: So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming, and if you want some cool swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com and click on Shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and subscribe on Apple
3: Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. It means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more
2: exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod. Like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. And find us at Sinisterhood Podcast on TikTok and on YouTube. Christy, where are you at on the computer?
3: I am on Instagram at Christy and Wallace and on TikTok and Twitter at Christy or
2: GTFO. Heather? I'm on Twitter at MCK vs. World and on Instagram and TikTok at Heather versus the World. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary bdw void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus okay round 2 name something that's not boring
2: a laundry ooh a book club computer
0: solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards found them. Software engineers found
3: that project manager
1: I could never seem to hire and found.